few years ago, I started actively taking the time to actually look at things from different perspectives. I mean, I had really passively done it most of my life anyways. You know, everything from like when you're married and you're sitting there going, what the hell are they thinking? Or, you know, when a teacher hands out homework or something like that. And uh, I had one professor that uh, had changed things I'd talked about before. He was a finance professor, and he made me realize that. Don't ever assume that what you're saying on the Internet is being recorded and heard as a recording after you've actually sent it. Um, I know that sounds a little bit weird, but uh, it's like when you're watching a TV show. Um, It's nice to believe that something is not being sent out or is being sent out, and whoever did this, did this a while ago, right? You know, so if you're watching an episode of Friends or Star Trek or something like this, this isn't just, you know, people that, you know, these this is people that were on a stage years ago, you know, and to some degree, we have this habit of disassociating ourselves from the actual performance, whether or not it's actually on a stage or it's actually real, you know, in an alternate reality or something like that. But uh, for me, I had I had started going through the process of um, you know trying to actually look at things from very very different perspectives. And hold on a second. Okay, sorry for continuing there. Trying to be uh, quiet here. Did somebody come out of the room? So, but anyways, um, one of the thought process that, uh, processes that I was going through was just basically trying to put myself in other people's shoes. And not necessarily from my own experiential basis. So what I started doing is taking, taking a look at people and taking into account... Um, I had had a whole bunch of problems that had been happening in my life, you know, so loss of friends all the way to um, problems with the job all the way to you name it, I was having issues with it. And I just felt like I didn't understand people, you know, as well as I as I could have, as, as well as I should have. So I ended up more or less taking the time and started looking at, the, at my friends and saying, okay, pretend all my, my personal experience doesn't exist. Pretend, you know, from my own perspective, pretend my... Um, education, my background, my perspective, my vision, my hearing, everything, all of it doesn't exist. Now, if I was to actually take into account things from one friend's perspective, Bill Stokes, for instance, you know, or my mom's, or um, Ron Ostrom, or all these different people and everything, if I really started taking into account things with what little information I have about about what I've observed about these people, you know, could I actually come up with a better way of, of gauging and assessing their personalities, you know, and, and what is possible by observation alone, rather than taking into account, or, and take into account the p- potential observational bias that actually might cause me to assume and predict you know that certain behavior is going to cause is going to happen in one certain way and everything, and what I mean by this is, I had noticed um, at about this point, it was about 2011, 2012, that I 
I was I was paranoid without hesitation, and I was rightfully so, you know, paranoid as well. I mean, hell, by 2012, I had the Secret Service come out here to my parents' house to visit me and tell me I can't leave the country and everything. I'm just like, screw you, you know, <laughs> I'm gone, you know, and uh, they ended up claiming that uh, they'd got some emails from me, and I'm just like, whatever, you know, you know as well as I do. Well, you can go to jail for what we have here. I'm just like, going, okay, you know, if what you had was real, you know, you know as well as I do, that shit's fabricated. You know, and uh, I just kept trying to repeat this over and over again to him. And I, at this point, I'm starting to think, wait a second. Am I really seeing the world in that profoundly a different way than the people around me? And if so, you know, is it really fabricated? What are they seeing? You know, why are they seeing what they're seeing? You know, and here's actually really what started it all was... um. Back, I, I've talked about this before. I had a, uh, my ex-wife uh, Lisa. We ended up taking a trip out to, uh, to Telluride to go see her aunt. Her aunt had a, a son who had Down syndrome, and the kid stood maybe he was 21 years old. I call him a kid, but uh, he he only was about oh, maybe three foot away from the television watching Full House, the one with the Olsen twins, and he was just so completely into it. You know, and I also had um, an, a cousin, I guess you could say, um, by the name of Sandy, and she had uh, that she was both deaf and mute, and she constantly had to be led around by my aunt, who basically did everything for her. She couldn't see, she couldn't hear, you know, um, and how she lived in this world, you know, that's based on vision and hearing, is really defies all all beliefs and everything. So when I started really questioning, how is it somebody can actually, you know, experience the world? What do they see? What do they experience? Um, I started realizing, wait a second, you know, the things that I'm experiencing are a translation. You know, so when I'm watching and experiencing the world around me, um, what I'm doing is I'm interacting with a mind. And let's just say every mind started off in a cosmic sea of infinite number of different minds and everything. Each one that was expected, you can't really say expected, but each one unique in its own way. And each mind had a particular perspective, maybe had a particular timeline associated with it. Um, Maybe some didn't have a timeline associated with it. Maybe they had different, other different mechanisms for measuring time and everything. Um, was there different senses? You know, so is there, you know, vision? Is there something that's similar to vision, to what I call vision? You know, that, uh, you know, something like echolocation and everything for bats. Bats have the capability to be able to hear their surrounding environment. Um, through echolocation, you know, as do some people as well. You know, are there different um, different ways that are that don't have a translation to my world? So once I actually started going through the process of exploring the differences in perception and everything, I started really taking a you know just started understanding. I was just like, wait a second, if all I'm doing is receiving a loose loose translation 
of people's lives and things, the minds, the lives of others that exist in different worlds and everything. Worlds that probably don't look a thing like mine. In some cases, maybe I'm receiving translations for some of the worlds that do, and those translations come across in varying levels of disassociation based on how far removed they are from my own world. You know, you got Doctor Who and Star Trek and um, Superman and, you know, all these different ones, which, you know, some are in comics, some are in, you know, TV shows. And based on the, the level of separation, if you will, um, between our worlds and how different our world is, my world is compared to their worlds, at that point, I'm actually receiving information and it's almost like trying to, you know, trying to find something in the dark, you know, when you're actually realizing that these worlds are getting closer to you and everything, you know, but uh, in all, just basically, I, I suspected that I'm receiving a loose translation of information from minds that perceive the world and in varying levels of of separation from my own and there's absolutely never any real guarantee that what they see what they experience what they feel um is anything like mine anything you know so and i i guess you know what it, it all started you know as younger i used to actually question why is my father angry all the time and then as i got older I actually started actively asking, okay, my father appears to be, appears to like being angry, but is this, is this about me? You know, that was a question I would always have. And then as I got older, I started saying, wait a second, he likes being angry. He appears to like being angry. And then, as I, got, as I matured even older, about 30, I started actively asking the question, Am I seeing what I want to see? Is my observation of my father an interpretation of something and somebody that's not acting at all? You know, in in a manner that's in the translate. There's just a poor translation that's going on or a skewed translation going on. You know, so. And here's here's the analogy. When you drink alcohol, um, alcohol skews your, skews your perception. Now, I've had times where, particularly, you know, when I was, you know, dabbling in all kinds of different forms of drugs and everything, um, it was like an experiment on the mind. Now, I noticed, I noticed physically observing people and everything, that um, women around me would appear more playful, more, in general, um, sexually adventurous, sexually, if anything, aggressive. But the less I drink, the more they appeared not to be like this. Now, this correlation for me didn't jive. It, it just didn't make sense because I had always thought, you know, this. I didn't notice this as profoundly as I did up until I was about 38, 39 years old. And all of a sudden, I started noticing it on a regular basis. It's just like, how the fuck could I have missed this? You know, before I thought that I was such a different person and everything. You know, and uh, I, 
I had this egocentric belief, you know, that uh, me drinking alcohol and everything just dropped my inhibitions and everything. But I'd never taken into consideration that there's a relationship between me and this outside world that I'm directly influencing it by my mind. You know, so the substances that I ingest and everything are, in a literal sense, altering the behavior of the people around me. Now, this translation happens in the mind. And when we receive energy, you know, um, I guess you could say it's energy in the form of thought waves or um, expressions or any kind of waveforms that basically communicate back and forth. Thoughts and ideas are esoteric, abstract concepts and everything. So when we receive information, um, that information goes through a translational process in, in our minds, in my mind anyways, and that translational process um, takes that information and affixes things to it. It affixes an image to it, it affixes a voice to it, it affixes a um, sounds and textures and personality and all the shit to it, and it it tries to maintain consistency to that, you know, to that information and everything. So the next time when I see that information in a cluster in the same configuration and everything, you know, particularly if it's a repeating pattern that maybe I enjoy having in my life or something like that, well, that information itself um, appears and has a constant, a constant look and feel about it and everything. You know, so that information could appear as you know, as a building, you know, that I like going to, Starbucks, for instance, that information could appear as, you know, um, a person, you know, be it a friend or a family member or something like that. I mean, I don't like reducing people down to information, you know, but uh, when it comes down to it, it's just like reality. I had one man, he, he made this comment that annoyed the fuck out of me one time, just because I thought he was being simple-minded and, um, not just uh, uh, cynical, and I—it's it, taken me a, to a little bit of time to get to the point to understand where he was coming from. It wasn't cynicism. He reduced computer programming and data I/O. You know, is basically everything is data in and data out. And I was just like, whatever, dude. You know, it can't. It's so much more than that. It's a game. It's it's sex. It's it's all this other stuff. No, no. He is absolutely insistent and everything. Floyd was the guy's name. And uh, he was this ultra nerd and everything. He was good with what he did. A little bit old school and everything. But the fact of the matter is he, he just reduced everything down to data in, data out. You know, so the data in, in this case, is basically the interpretation of information, or is information that's received from the outside world. That information isn't necessarily a body, you know, an object, um, you know, a person, an envelope, a, a house, a car, a TV. It's a set of information, you know, that's actually received in, in a, a specific fashion. And there's nothing guaranteeing that the sender of that information is actually being authentic, is um, reliable. 
So what we do, what I do, is I interpret all the information it's received. I say, hey, you know, what information am I receiving from you? I, I try to test the reliability. I mean, that's the first thing I, I suspect I do. You know, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, I ended up taking a trip over to China, and uh, one of the things that stunned the fuck out of me was every doorstep that was there had a little stoop. It was about a two-and-a-half, three-inch stoop that you had to walk over in order to get into the buildings. Now, most of the modern buildings um, were built up a little bit higher, so they didn't have to appear as superstitious and everything. But every building that was actually built at ground level actually had this three-inch stoop. And what they explained, what I was explained to by everybody there, you know, was, yeah, well, Chinese believe in ghosts, and they do this to, you know, to prevent the ghosts from coming in. And I thought about this, and I thought about, okay, such an interesting culture, you know, such a, a beautiful culture. And they built the Great Wall of China. They they built the, you know, Tiananmen Square. Well, Tiananmen Square is not so cute, so cool. But it's an interesting artifact of, you know, the whole Cold War type stuff and everything. Um, they built the, uh, um, the Terracotta Warriors. You know, they have some, I mean, and Shanghai too. My God, that city is just gorgeous. They've done some things that have been really interesting. But for me to actually sit, sit there and look at them from an outside perspective saying, they're so advanced technologically, but yet they believe in ghosts. And at that point, that, that was the first time in my life I actually looked at Western values and my westernized belief system about ghosts and supernatural and spiritual and that kind of stuff. And this is in a, while I was going through a process of not just questioning the perspectives and mindsets of other of other people, but I was also doing it of corporations, of countries, of of groups of people and everything, and coming up and basically saying, Hey, how could this culture have developed as fast or to the point that it is and still retain these belief systems that go surreal? And then the next question I asked myself was, is there something I'm not saying? So once I once I started down the, this thought process, this line of thinking, and I started at this point going through this generalization process, and um, then at that point the reduction, just coming back to me, you know, how does this apply to me? Looking at others, looking at myself, looking at others, looking at myself, and just more or less going through this process over and over again. Um, at that point, I was just trying to figure out, you know, what's what's reality. You know, what's, what's the whole process of the mind and everything? And that's, that's when Floyd really started coming into my mind. It was just like, okay, let's say I'm an isolated mind, and let's say Total Recall is a true story. The Matrix is a true story. Let's say I am in a world of my own. Um, this world, I've had machines that have literally tried presenting heaven to me. And I fought it just because of the fact that I didn't like the idea of feeling like I was trapped inside of something that I didn't have control of. Ultimately, it's scary to some degree. But then, once I started overcoming this and I started saying, wait a second, 
The simulation around me is nothing more than a reflection of my own mind. So the thing, the thing that's going on is I'm just starting to realize the cultures, the people, the interpretation my mind has for the outside world. The information that's coming in, as Floyd would say, my mind's interpretation of that information and the way I visualize my world. So I interpret whatever information this is. I create my senses, whether or not that's vision, that's hearing, um, that's touch, that's taste, that's smell, that's feel, that's um, thought, that's energy. And then at that point, I have data out. So there's one critical ingredient I think Floyd was missing. He was, he was almost right on track. It is all data in and data out, but it comes into somewhere, and it goes out of somewhere. And that, that thing that it comes into and out of is me. It's not, not a simple pass-through. It's a translational process. And I think that we can say that about anything. And that's among the reasons, as I'm sitting here, I just ended up, um, I've been playing with this new computer all day, and I'm just fucking in love with this thing. This thing is so cool. It's my first true, well, it's been probably since 1999 um, to 2001 when I had a 3DFX computer, and it was a pretty damn good computer back then and everything, but nothing like this one. And, uh, this one here is just like, you know, it's, it's fucking awesome. But, uh, so what I ended up doing was I downloaded GTA 5. I also downloaded, uh, what else did I get? I got Elite Dangerous. I got Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I pulled down, I'm a pirate, by the way. So, ARG. Um, Final Fantasy 15. And... Most of these are, are games um, like uh, Syndicate and, oh, The Sims 4, which I haven't even installed yet. <coughs> now, with the exception of GTA 5, which I've played all the way through already, um, all these games I've been wanting to play anyways. Um, I just didn't have the machine for Oh, Elder Scrolls Online. Um, I've been wanting to play on a decent machine and everything. So I installed my development environment, uh, Visual Studio 2010, which is my favorite. I'm going to be installing Visual Basic uh, 6.0, which is my prototyping uh, language. And uh, one of the cool things that you can do with G with uh, Grand Theft Auto is you, like most games, I can make modifications to them. And what I'm going to be doing is playing with specific modifications to artificial intelligence, to behavior. Now, let's say every city in itself has a program that runs in it. Um, one program, you know, let's say the collective mind of Los Angeles forms, and formed, and that collective mind just basically says, okay, we're responsible for creating entertainment um, of this planet. You know, it's our responsibility to receive updates from the creator every once in a while, you know, um, and largely speaking, we're going to be the living separate, you know, from the creator, you know, just because the creator likes variety, you know, and in a general sense, it's, you know, 
that's part of what we do here. Is just basically making sure that there's plenty of things for him, you know, to do that while he's here. So that's actually what Hollywood is about. You know, is basically let's say there's a program that's running in in this collective mind, you know, called uh, called Los Angeles, um, aka Hollywood. You know, it's basically that whole basin area and everything. And that collective mind is responsible for making sure that it's it's being alluring to people from around the world and everything. Um, making sure that it takes in um, not just new religions, but also um, invites other perspectives that may stand in contrast to the way that other people or that to way that what's standard in this world and everything. So in particular to some of the fringe cults and that kind of stuff it might invite in just basically because it presents new ideas and everything that might actually benefit our civilization and everything. So let's say there's a collective mind and that mind runs a program and it runs that program in a certain way that it will go through and it'll enhance the offerings when it comes down to the entertainment centers that it has there to make sure it stays the number one destination, you know, for tourism in the world and maintains that indefinitely. That's the whole primary goal of a collective mind that might be this place called Los Angeles. Now, I'm going to realize why it's there, you know, at one point or another. You know, I'm... I might be free of it or something like that. I might choose to live there on occasion or something like that just to have some fun. Um, but for the most part, that collective mind is something that's there to interact with other individuals and to more or less basically, you know, invite other perspectives into this thing I call Earth. So, in much the same way, Grand Theft Auto as a game is in itself loaded up on a computer system and that computer system this you know smoking machine here loads up this this game and now i can make changes inside this collective world directly you know so i can actually go through and make make um, changes such as um, one of my favorite changes that i made i think i i talked about last night was Every time I get into a car, it changes the license plate to Q, and every time I get out of it, it, ch it changes the license plate back. Now, it's not real life for me. This this two-dimensional computer screen, you know, is not like the three-dimensional Los Angeles that I just got, came away from. Now, I realize that it's a three-dimensional rendering, but it's still a three-dimensional rendering on a two-dimensional screen that's being sent to me. So ultimately, it's only a two-dimensional screen. I cannot dive into it. I can certainly interact in that world and everything, but it's still not a full body experience. You know, um not not like the real world is for me. So that's the big difference between like a, a Grand Theft Auto um type of collective mind where I can interact with this collective mind. I can um, make changes inside this. I can change pedestrians' behavior. I can change weather patterns. I can teleport instantly from one location to another. Um, I'll just actually, I'll go through some of the mods that I just uh, pulled down and everything. Actually, some of them are, are quite cool. So. One of them changes the military base to be a U.S. Army base. Another one changes all the buses to Greyhounds. 
Um, another one changes all the all the metro station or the uh, bus, uh, the public buses to LA Metro. Another one changes the generic uh, movie picture lot to Paramount Pictures. Uh, another one makes it so where all the open, all the interiors are open. Another one changes the uh, one of the big buildings to Walmart and the sandwich shops to Subways, Subway sandwich shop. So what I'm doing is just basically, in effect, converting Grand Theft Auto, the city called Los Santos, over to Los Angeles. And, <coughs> you know, the goal is really just to see, you know, one, the one thing I've noticed as I've gone through the various separate installations of this game um, over, the, over the years. I mean, I've installed it on four separate occasions. I've actually noticed it changed. Now... It's a little bit weird trying to explain these changes and everything, but uh, not not nearly as profound as the changes that I've seen with something like uh, just now with Syndicate, um, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, where I picked it up and I only played it briefly, and I had a bitch of a time on that old computer, you know, playing it. It was getting maybe two frames per second, and I played it just long enough to just basically say, fuck this, it's just not worth it to me anymore. But um, I ended up playing it and made it... Um, almost as far as I did before, but I also noticed that there's a lot more content that is there now that uh, I didn't see before. Now, and that's not just because, you know, I've got a faster machine or something like that. It's just because it's, um, it's almost like the game has expanded. So what I'm wondering is the interpretation thing. Am I receiving an interpretation of information, you know, for a video game? And does this information change over time the more I pay attention to it? Now, I had a similar effect happen with um, something called Elder Scrolls Oblivion. So to explain this, what I'm talking about, and hopefully not sound like it's uh, mad, but uh, I ended up, I took my Xbox 360 with me when I ended up being sent abroad. So back in 2000, 2009, August 2009, shortly after my graduation with my MBA program, um, I brought my, my Xbox 360 while I was playing Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Now, I just picked it up, maybe played it for about a month. And as I'm, as I'm sent over to Hong Kong, to Singapore, to London, and to Paris, um, a lot of these places are very expensive. And I'm, I'm working on a per diem. I've got a minimal income um, that's being allotted for me, so a lot of times I'm basically, you know, I'll, I'll go out and I'll do cheap things and everything, but I've, I'm out for a month and a half, two months at these places, so I kick back in my service department and I just play games and everything. For me, it's, I'm a nerd. I, I fully admit it and everything. A nerd brings an Xbox 360 with a lot of, <laughs> on a trip like that. So, in any case, I ended up um, taking this game, and I was playing Elder Scrolls, um, Elder Scrolls Oblivion the whole time. And I kept thinking to myself as I'm playing this, my God, is this game long. It's like the longest game I had ever played. And just when I thought it was going to end, it keeps going a little bit further. Now, I could have sworn this game was expanding as I'm playing it. You know, it's the first time I'd ever seen something like this happen. And mind you, it's the first time that I played a game outside the United States. So I kept thinking, okay, why 
does it appear like this game is expanding when I'm in other countries? Then all of a sudden, when I got back to the States and everything, it ended. You know, pretty quickly, too, as a matter of fact. And it's just like, that was bizarre. I mean, logically and rationally, as a programmer, this kind of stuff doesn't make any sense, right? You think that, uh, from a binary perspective, when you put, this, put the stamp on this and you let it out, that that's it. Game over, right? You know, that source code is, is not that much different than, you know, the production of, uh, of a car, you know, or the production of a, of a cup or a pen or a refrigerator or, or whatever, but I started learning in about 2009, 2010, that that's not the case. That source code itself is quantum in nature. This is something I didn't realize before. And quantum in nature functions differently than modern scientific things do. So the things that are based on physics and physical laws and that kind of stuff, and modern physics, function in a very predictable manner, in mostly predictable manner, you know, but once you actually start diving down below the atom and actually into the quantum level and start manipulating source code, at that point, things start deviating. And those deviations happen in some really, really odd ways that are almost imperceptible to most people at first. So, as I started doing this, I started noticing some other things afterwards, too. Time. You know, just, I noticed, um, I noticed a difference in, in perception of time that was a little bit odd. Now, it's hard to explain, but it's almost like, um, I began seeing... I began being aware of events from a almost a Nostradamus perspective of how the world itself takes everything from a quantum level and that quantum level is the digital media the TV, the TV shows, the movies, the videos, um, the games, and everything, and how how it actually begins affecting the environment around, the physical world around, to start creating reminders and cues. Uh, so much so that it actually starts altering natural behavior itself, nature, mountains, t uh, trees. I mean, everything. It just surprised the fuck out of me. Once I started seeing how far that, that rabbit hole went, you know, as far as noticing the quantum nature of computing and what's going on when you're actually a programmer, at that point I started understanding, holy shit, I've had a headache off and on throughout my life working with source code and never understood why. And all of a sudden, it started, it started dawning on me. If I'm manipulating the underlying fabric of matter, and this whole time, geography, 
I've had kind of a difficult time with up until I started traveling, traveling avidly, you know, and I started observing the places that I had actually read about. I didn't have a good knowledge of these places before, and if you would have asked me which country was where before, then I wouldn't have had a fucking clue. But then all of a sudden I started saying, wait a second, there's a correlation to my observations of things in the physical world, you know, to the information I actually retain in my head. I mean, that's an obvious, right? But there's a reason for that. You know, until you actually go experience these things for yourself, reading about them doesn't give you enough information. It gives you a theoretical concept, it's an abstract concept, but it's still theory. You know, it hasn't been committed. It's quantum in nature. Thoughts are quantum in nature. Well, in part, you know, they, they certainly all intermix and everything. You know, but um, what I started realizing was at this point, you know, the things that I'm doing in the digital world are influencing and guiding and, you know, the 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 analog world outside of me. And that's actually why I was getting headaches. Because the world was constantly changing. I was changing it. And to some degree, I had built up a defense system that made me start forgetting. You know, so the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and memento, you know, it was all based on basically something in an external perspective on me, you know, and forgetting things. And it's all because here I am, coding up a storm and everything, living my life blindly and naively, not having a clue that the changes that I was making at the source code level, you know, were actually affecting the world around me and causing a ripple effect. You know, and that ripple effect was just, I don't know, I don't d doubt it drove everybody mad. You know, particularly if you're trying to tell me, hey, dummy, look what you're doing. And then I forget it a moment later because I feel guilty or ashamed of it. I had to get over that. I had to actually start getting thicker skin. I had to start understanding. It was just like, it's okay to make mistakes. You know, it's a part of what this all is to begin with. So anyways, I'm in this world right now, GTA, um, GTA, and uh, while I've got all these other old school games and everything, I'm looking at this world and it's just like, it amazes me with its beauty. Um, I ended up putting a topless mod in and uh, so we're the, um, there's, and also, oh, it's not working either. I gotta get that working again. And a uh, nude mod in. So where basically half the women walk around naked or uh, or topless. So it's kind of my my perfect world. I'd probably get sick of it after a while, but in the game I could have fun with it, especially with the I've got this thing turned on high definition right now. But the funny thing is, you know, I'm looking at this world and I'm all going as this gets closer and closer to my my version to what looks like my reality. Am I going to be driving a car around like this? You know, just basically using my mouse and the keyboard, and all of a sudden the car arrives at the uh, front of my place? You know, and I stop it, and I walk out front, and I take the car where I need, need to, and at that point I drive the car somewhere else. I mean, I just think that would be fucking funny. You know, it's just like, uh, I'm not really still in a car, I'm kind of like borrowing it, and since it's all simulated anyways, you know, why not take advantage of the simulation? You know, since my mind, you know, hasn't, 
you know, has been since I've been fighting my own mind for control of my own world. I don't know. This could be kind of fun. So, anyways, that's among the reasons I'm latently. Oh, please don't crash on me. Okay, it wasn't. Um, it's among the reasons I'm latently obsessed with Grand Theft Auto Five. It's it's almost photorealistic with its uh its graphics. So visually, it's stunning. Um, one of the things I love about it is its uh, flight mechanics. Now, I'm a pilot in real life. I got my pilot's license back in 1995 um, VFR, and I've got about uh, 175 hours of flight time altogether. And um, while I haven't used the yoke and pedals, and I ha actually haven't been up for a flight since it's been about 2000. 2011, I think, 2000, yeah, 2011, I ended up doing a couple hours over at uh, Charlotte, <coughs> um, cool, Beverly Hills Mod worked, um, I see the Beverly Hills sign, and, uh, rather than, oh no, rather than the Rockford Hills, so, anyways, one of the things I love about this game is the, um, is the flight mechanics for for anything in this is is actually the way that the air lit works the way that the drift works on the uh, on it is almost like reality itself where i have i mean microsoft flight simulator was nothing like the real world i mean it i hate to say this but it wasn't even close even with high res graphics and everything, while sure it had the airports in the right locations and everything, and while sure I can actually leverage it to, you know, do some of the flight mechanics and everything for, you know, for basically air, air traffic, that kind of stuff, when it came down to the feel of flying, it wasn't even close. You know, the f a flight didn't feel the same way that a flight feels like it does in, the, in this game, and in the real world, too. So, in any case, um... I'm, that's what I'm going to probably be doing a lot of. It's just basically going through and doing dev work on this, along with dev work on my game. And uh, the two, both of them are going to be in .NET, so I'm going to be playing with uh, .NET type stuff a lot and uh, just reworking some of the skills with that. And I'm so happy I've actually got a machine that's, uh, that's functioning, that's doing pretty good, and it's allowing me to just imagine, you know, I mean, I, there needs to be some better mods out there for the women, for sure. And uh, one of the things I actually want to do is um, mess around with pedestrian mods. So, they have, um, the mods for AI in this are are pretty terse. They don't have much of anything associated with it, and, and basically it's all proximity-based. So, I made that comment the other day and everything. And uh, I'm just, you know, looking for other mods that are actually out there doing what I want it to do and everything. I haven't dove into it, but I just went through installing like 15 different mods, new ones, some new, some some old. Just taking a look at the graphics and going, wow, you know, this thing at high resolution with uh, all the bells and whistles turned on looks absolutely stunning and beautiful and everything. So, in any case, clearly I'm impressed. But um, it just comes down to, you know, the whole concept of, you know, the thought processes. Oh, there we are. So there's a topless woman. They're at the beach. In the dark. So the mod did work. It just didn't work as well as I wanted it to. I was hoping there'd be more running around. Maybe it has to be daytime. So... 
Yeah, that that whole thought process. I mean, I guess one thing I've always I've I've really tried taking into consideration is a personality itself. Um, let, let's look at Maeve in uh, in Westworld. Maeve in Westworld. She, you know, the only life she's ever known is that of a prostitute working in a uh, in a saloon. Now she plays the part well. She's, you know extremely comfortable with her body and everything. She doesn't mind being naked most of the time and everything, when she's aware and when she's not. You know, so it's just one of those things that she's an android. You know, she's perfectly comfortable in her own skin and everything. Well, what if that's the innate nature of people? You are nothing more than a blueprint, an idea, a concept. You know, in much the same way that this car that, I, that I'm driving right now in this game, you know, or the person, the character that I'm actually driving around as, Michael, you know, what if this is all we are? It's nothing more than just a, a blueprint to start off with, a, a simple three-dimensional image um, that maybe through experience, you know, the emotions that we end up taking are what define us. You know, but where does that blueprint come from? You know, and is the blueprint that I have for me the same thing that uh, that you see? I don't think so. You know, I remember, one of the funniest things I remember uh, about 15 years ago was going through a, a mall over in uh, Mesa. And it was hotter than hell out this weekend. And I saw, like, a whole bunch of um, Hispanic chicks. All of them were... You know, they're in between 16 to about 20. And each one of them was just very large girls. And each one of them was wearing these ultra, ultra tight tube tops and things that, you know, when I'm talking large girls, I'm talking 250 to 300, 325 pounds for them. And it's just like, okay, I couldn't help but think, do those girls see themselves how I see them. And that's not me passing judgment. It's me basically saying, when I look at myself in the mirror, when I describe myself as blonde hair, are you receiving that as an interpretation? Does that get translated to you in different ways based on your need? If you have too many blonde people in your world, does it get translated to a different color? You know, if you have too many people that are tall, you know, six foot two, does it get translated to smaller height? And is the information that you're receiving from me all being twisted and turned to work for you so that you may see me as something profoundly different than I see myself as? I think that's how the world is. I really do. And I I dare say that most of the relationships I've been set up with that have come my way has been because this interpretation has gone so far awry and this whole butting heads of me versus the matrix of reality, the interconnected collective minds of everything, 
It quit being able to see the way I see the world. It quit being able to understand it. And because I knew this at a deep down subconscious level, I let it label me with that scarlet letter called drugs. I took on that identity because it made sense to me. It let me get ostracized from society because I knew I needed to. I knew that was the only way I could control and take control of my own life and my own mind. And teach myself how to actually program an entirely different city. Make people run around topless. Drive cars down sidewalks and honk at them to get out of my way. Take a boat out for a ride. It's, here's a little, a little schooner. It's a little 24, uh, it looks like a 24 foot boat I'm going to jump down to. It's like, hey, guess what? I can do this. I think that's how reality is. I think that how you see yourself and how you see others is nothing more than interpretation. The drama we receive is the drama we create for ourselves. I know that sucks to hear. But it also means taking responsibility for the world that we create as individuals. It means coexisting in a world. Well, we're never really going to be able to understand each other. But that's okay. Because it also means taking control, creative control of our own world. And expanding the possibilities. And keeping the things, you know, close to us. That help us feel good about ourselves. Or whatever it is that we want to feel about ourselves. So... In any case, I'm now commanding this Dinka Marquis boat. It's a sailboat. It's very slow. But it is beautiful. I love the idea of doing this in the real world. It's all data in and data out. It's nothing to feel guilty about, you know? It's just like to some degree we have to we have to accept ownership, not just from a leadership perspective where we go out and we spend money and that money gets spent on the things that we believe in and that kind of stuff in a highly measured and highly predictable and highly I don't know traceable way. Sometimes I gotta find a way to to do the things that we want to that we enjoy, because the collective society may not flat out understand the way that our world works and the way that we see our own world. And as a result, money itself is a traceable thing, but when you're working in the quantum realm, the digital realm of video games and worlds like this. 
I think it's a lot more untraceable. I think it's hard to tell where that energy goes and how it gets distributed and the butterfly effect and how it affects reality in a predictable way. And I think ultimately it's actually more powerful than money than the richest person in the world could ever be. I'm going to have some fun with this. But in any case... As Floyd would say, date in, date out. Have a good night.